Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, a podcast coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 29, the Punchboarders talk, ooh, about an injury. Then we go into our recent plays, and then we'll finish it off with our review of Capstone Games Arkwright. Hi, everybody. I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. No, I'm Richie. And he's all here. All of, <laughs> all of Richie is here. Slightly well, broken, but yes. <laughs> Slightly. So you, uh, our listeners have probably been wondering. I tried to put it out on the social media channels, but w- this episode is a few weeks late, and we apologize, but there were definitely extenuating circumstances. It finally happened, Clef. Yep. Chad snapped. Chad, Chad snapped. I beat him in a game of Lord of the what was that game called? <laughs> Legend, Legend, of, of, the Legend of the Five Rings. And he couldn't. He didn't take like it. it huh? Couldn't handle it. He couldn't take it. <laughs> he was especially malicious, I will say. But no, that wasn't it. So, guys, seriously, what happened? I I don't play with you guys one night. I got to work, and I say, yeah, you guys just go play some games, and you're like, okay, we got this. And the next thing I know, Richie's in the hospital. What's going on? Yeah, you are probably to blame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were we got in a couple games. We played uh, Legend of the Five Rings, then Matai and I, yep. and it was raining that night. Mm-hmm. And uh, on my way out, uh, Chad's house, I had a little... And here's the thing. Every time I... Like when I go to the hospital or anything like that, they always ask like what happened and it's not an exciting story, unfortunately. (laughs) I wasn't uh, squatting like 500 pounds. I wasn't running a marathon or anything. I'm just walking out of Chad's house. I slipped. My planted my foot wrong. I hear a pop or not hear a pop. I feel a pop. And uh, yeah, I can't walk anymore when I (laughs) blew out my uh, patella tendon. Yeah. They call that completely ruptured. Yes. He was looking back at me kind of talking as he was stepping down too. and, And then he all of a sudden he just was... On the on the ground, basically, and then so I I was kind of looking because I was looking at his knee, and I, I was kind of thinking, okay, I can you know I, I'm for those that don't know, I'm a physical therapist by trade, and so I'm I'm looking at it and I'm trying to get him up, but not having the best uh, the best hope for it. And I'm talking to Richie, and it's like, okay, we're gonna get you up. What can I get for you? And he's like, I want my knee to go down. <laughs> I want my knee to, what he really meant was his kneecap because it was kind of halfway up his leg. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. Nice and fun. And, okay. and you played football for how many years? Uh, for a few years and uh, one year in college. And yeah. yeah. And nothing. Nothing. But nope. played some board games at Chad's and boom, blew, Took blew me right out. out. There you go. <laughs> That's right. That's right. People think board games are not a dangerous sport. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. competitive right. for sure. <laughs> the other thing that's annoying is when I, so when I tell them what it happened, what actually happened, then they're like, oh, like Monopoly? Board games like Monopoly? <laughs> no, no, not board games like Monopoly. Yeah. Fix my knee and <laughs> stop talking to me. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, there you go. You can start to spread some uh, hobby board games to the uh, doctor I'm trying. community. Yeah. Well, and that was the best part in the ER, too, is, uh, you know, I was just trying to hint. I was trying to stay out of the way, but I have a hard time with that sometimes. I'm just trying to hint to the ER doc, like, yeah. I think it's his patella tendon. Look at his x-ray. You know, that that kneecap's not supposed to be up that high. And he's doing all these tests for like ACL and stuff on him. And I'm going, uh, no, just ask him to straighten out his knee because I'm pretty sure he can't do it. So so Chad knows more than the ER doc at this yeah, point. I'm not saying that. Maybe about a knee, but 
You know, if you have phlebitis, I'm not going to help you. Oh, boy. Of course, Chad calls me, and I mean, I'm asleep at night here, and he calls me and says, yeah, I, I need you to come and, and get Richie and take him home because he can't drive. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then Chad's like, never mind. I, okay, I figure something out. And I wake up in the morning, I'm like, did I have a dream that something? <laughs> well, in all fairness, too, obviously, I don't want people to think like I was going to leave him, you know, just say, OK, Richie, go get a cab. You know, I, I was concerned about I was going to take him to the ER and I wanted somebody to take his car. And so that was really more what it was about. It wasn't right. like it's a good oh, thing Richie. Chad was there because my wife would have probably made me take an Uber. because she, <laughs> she said she wasn't waking up the kids at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Put two kids in the car to come get you. Yeah. <laughs> understandably, understandably. Yeah, that was a that was work. We had, I had to go get a crutch just so we could basically get him into my car. And then, of course, in the morning when I find out this is all real, you know, my first question not is, you know, well, is Richie okay? Is is, is he going to be able to make it to Origins? That's that's my first question. <laughs> that was also my first question. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> we, we have not gotten the answer to that yet. Hey, the great news now is, though, is Richie's off work for six weeks. And so every time I can come over and play board games now, we're going to get some more board games in. So. Yes, yeah, it's been a lot of day gaming. We've been getting a lot We've of games We've been doing in. a lot of game. Yeah. Another one of our friends, uh, Josh, he right now has – He's off of work because he's got some issues. And so I, the other day I was sitting here playing with them, you know, and Josh has got his thing and Richie's got to have his leg propped up. And I'm like, man, this is like, you know, like <laughs> dice uh, hospital central right here. You know, it's, it's a preview. It's a preview for you when you're going to be in the old folks home and Ooh. everybody's going to be hooked up to an IV or, it's you know, not that bad. I, yeah, you know, hey, <laughs> I'm not thinking that sounds all that bad. <laughs> Sit around and play board games all day. Here we go. I'm ready. Well, listen, since we brought it up, uh, we should talk about that you and I, Clef, you and I are going to be in St. Louis in just a couple of weeks for Ooh, Geek yeah. Way to the West. That's right. We would definitely love uh, love to see anybody who wants to hang out and game with us. We're going to try to meet up with some friends that we know are going to be there. But if you, if you listen to the podcast and you would like to uh, hang out with us or meet up with us, we would love... We would love to to see you, meet you, talk with you, game with you. So if you want to do that and find a way to, to hook up, uh, please send us an email at punchboardparadise at gmail.com and we'll we'll make arrangements because we'd love to see people there. We don't have a specific meetup or anything like that planned, but if we can meet up and game with you, that's, that's the best. So uh, let us know. Yeah. We're absolutely. looking forward to that. 100%. All right. Well, Richie, in your uh, spare extra time here, what, what have you been playing lately? Well, the game I'm actually going to talk about is Concordia Venus, and that actually happened. I got to get that play in before I injured myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's all going to be pre-injury, post-injury <laughs> yes. for Richie. <laughs> but I got, it, I got in a game with Joe, uh, Michelle, and Jessica at the game shop. And uh, Joe, the one who set everything up, but uh, in Concordia Venus, it's just an expansion to Concordia, but it also has a standalone version that you can pick up. And the thing that this really adds that I was interested in was the team play. So we played a team game where uh, me and Joe were on a team, then Jessica and Michelle were on a team. And I'll tell you what, Concordia is just moving up with this expansion because the, the team variant was fantastic. So the way that it works, so just normal Concordia on your turn, you play a card, you do what the card says, you're trying to get out your uh, different trading post and collect goods, sell goods, different things like that. With the team variant, now your teammate will play a card, they do the action, and then you do the exact same action. So you need to make sure that you're paying attention to what your teammate is doing, plus your money is completely shared. And they cannot refuse you. So if you if you if you need to do something and you need the money, now obviously you should 
probably, you know, not screw your own partner over if they need cash, but <laughs> it's there if you need it. Um, and in the rules, they talk about um, table talk because I guess Joe, he played a six player because it, it goes up to six now and you can do teams with six. He played a six player game where they basically had open table talk. And he said that that dragged it out a long time because basically they were just sitting there trying to plan out their whole turn. Uh, but we played no table talk, which I loved because you kind of have to watch them. And there are times where you just have to play an action that is not going to benefit them at all. But overall, you think it's best for your team, essentially. So, but yeah, it was great. The only other thing that was new was there are now new cards that have two different actions on them. So you, when you play those, you take one of the actions and your partner gets the other one. Ooh, I like that Ooh, idea. That does sound so, interesting. Yeah, it, it was slick. So yeah, I highly recommend it. I highly re recommend Concordia, period. But if you are familiar with Concordia uh, and you're looking for something a little new, the Concordia Venus was was great. So did you stick all the 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 salsa stuff in with that then, or how did you play that? Yeah, so we played with the form tiles, with the salt. Uh, it just folds in. And that Venus expansion, I have it, but I really haven't cracked it open. Does it have another separate map that you play on specifically for that team variant? Right, but I believe you can play it on any map if you wanted to. I don't I don't see why that would make a difference. Uh, but yeah, they, uh, in that uh, expansion, you do have another map that's double-sided. After you got done playing this, you told me you thought that I would really enjoy this variant. I think you would really like the team aspect of it. The, the planning part of it is just great. Like as far as trying to make it work for you and your teammate. Like I said, there are times where, you know, you just can't do anything. And there was one point where and this was towards the end of the game where Joe wanted to he wanted to architect and put out trading posts. But I, I didn't have any goods to architect or anything like that. But he was able to get one of the cards that had two different options on there. And he played that, which allowed him to do the architect and then allowed me to buy goods on the same turn. And I mean, it worked out where we ended up winning, me and Joe, uh, by a considerable amount. But <laughs> <laughs> um, just because we were able to get all of the, um, the point scoring cards for the, the different goods types. But anyways, uh, yeah, I think you would really like the planning aspect of that in the hmm. team play. Oh, we'll have to give that a shot. That does sound interesting to me. Well, Chad, what have you been playing? Not too long ago. I know this was a Kickstarter that got fulfilled a few months back, finally. But not too long ago, I got my retail version from uh, Stronghold Games of the sort of deluxe CO2 second chance, kind of almost reprint, mm -hmm. uh, which is a semi-cooperative game from Vital Acerta with new art by Ian O'Toole, of course. <laughs> by, by who? Uh, Ian O'Toole. He's I, an up-and-comer. I don't know if I've ever heard of this Never guy before. Huh, all right. Anyway, you'd, you'd probably like him. He... Uh, <laughs> It, it, the game is 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 semi cooperative, but it also has a cooperative variant that, that they have now added to this second chance printing of the game. So the theme, because again, Vital likes to kind of design these these intricate games around a theme. The theme is that we are trying to save the world from carbon emissions, and you can lose. That's why it's a semi co op. You can lose the game if the co uh, if the carbon emissions get over a certain point. And so though it is one winner takes all, if it gets above a certain point, everybody loses, just like kind of in real life. So you're trying to build green power plants. You're trying to plant forests. You're trying to uh, plant windmill power plants and water, hydroelectricity, those kinds of things. And you're proposing projects then 
you are also building the infrastructure, then you're building the plant, and all these kind of things have to be done in steps. So you may propose the project for a hydroelectricity plant, and then somebody may come along and take the project and put an infrastructure on top of it. And then somebody else may build that actual plant on top of the infrastructure. So in that way, it's very interlocking. And it it's interesting. There's there's some interesting gameplay to it. Essentially, you have your own board and you get to take a main action, which is one of those things basically that I just named. And then you have a bunch of executive actions where you can move scientists around to different projects, have them go to different talks. And when they do that, they gain expertise in certain uh, certain topics like forestry or, again, hydroelectric power. And the better that you become at those things, you get income at the end of every round. And you get to choose that income as you move up the tracks of those various expertise. You get to choose if you want that to be in the form of points or money because all these things that you're building cost money, of course, and resources. So that is kind of an interesting push and pull too. How much money do I need to do what I want to do next round versus how many points do I want to try to pull ahead of my partner? And I know Clef has had a couple plays of this too. And so, you know, I'll, I'll give my thoughts, but I, I know Clef wants to talk about it as well. And I'd be interested in hearing. Um, I enjoyed the game. I, there was a lot of cool things that I really liked. Uh, the the push and pull on those tracks that you were kind of talking about where you've got five different tracks and you do different things to move up those tracks. I thought that was really interesting where you have to be either leading or depending on how many players second place or uh, tied to get, like you just said, opportunity to either get points or to get money. And I like, you know, I like a game that gives you that choice of how you're trying to do it. Uh, reminds me a little bit of uh, the princes of Florence where when you, you know, finish a thing, you have the choice of taking money or points and you have to do it at that moment. You can't do it later. And I, I love that type of thing. The one little, eh, you know, and I've obviously talked to you about this is you can't really combo off of anything. I mean, you literally, when you do a turn, you do a turn. So if you build something, uh, you know, to start off with some sort of a plan for a, for a structure, you can't then automatically be the one who then gets to build on top of that if you need to. Because you have no, it's no, there's no change in turn order. There's no nothing. You build it. And so like in the game that Chad and I played as a two-player game, I kept building stuff. And then Chad kept coming and throwing stuff on top of it on his turn. You know, and I'd be like, ah, I want to do that. So that was a little bit frustrating. Not to say that it made any difference. And I think I ended up winning that game. So it's not like that you lose the game because of it. It's just one of those things as a gamer. It's almost like a, oh, come on. I wanted to do that. And yet why don't you go build one of those so I can put one on top, you know? And you're like, well, why? I'm just going to keep building on yours, you know? So that was a little bit just of a, maybe a little unsatisfying for what I'm kind of used to. But overall, I mean, it's still a great Lacerda game. I mean, he he does a great job of, you know, as always, you know, you've got that main action and then you've got all these different executive actions or whatever you want to call them, extra actions that you can take. And it's a really good push and pull trying to figure things out. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I'd play it again. The, the semi-co-op part was another thing that I was a little bit eh because maybe if you really are losing, maybe then you're not going to care about continuing to try to not lose the game, which I don't always like. But eh. Is it easy for someone to tank it if if no. they're not winning? Not really. I, well, from no. what Clef and I found, it, we played, uh, I think, a two-player game and then a three-player game. And for what, what Clef and I found, 
I think, is that it's not very easy to tank once it gets going, and you really have to try. And and there's so much, I think that there's enough going on that unless you really let somebody pull ahead, because you have secret scoring objectives too, so you don't really know how much people have gotten those. And then there's also cards that you can grab once you've fulfilled as well. So if I built infrastructure for this certain power plant and this certain power plant, I can take those cards. And it seems like the more you collect of those, you're going to get a lot of points. It seems like, oh, that's a great thing to do. And I did that more, but Clef raced up the tracks more. And the tracks actually is one of the few places you can combo. Because if you bounce your scientists around, there's a way to move scientists, which is different from the original game. The scientists move more in this game and you can bounce scientists around from project to project and gain knowledge that way and get up the tracks and then certain spots on the track allow you other benefits when you get up to them so that's kind of the combo chain aspect there but i agree with clef it isn't as satisfying as some of those other games where you get to say i do this and now i do this and now i do this but there there are also uh, other cards that you have in your hand where once you have done a certain thing, then you get to play that card down as an executive action and get another benefit from it. So there, there is some of that, but it's limited. And I would say what Clef doesn't like about it, I can totally understand that, that semi-co-op. Because what he said, and he's right in this, is sometimes you may not always, not, not most of the time, I think, but you may not always take a choice because it's your best choice, but because, boy, this round, this has to get done. Otherwise, we're going to get messed up. Right. And I think in the game we played, I think there was a moment where I was like, well, this is my best move to score points. But if I don't do this, we could lose the game, Hmm. which, you know, I'm not saying is a terrible thing. It's just a little bit different than maybe what I'm used to in playing games. And you still and you still ended up winning the game. So it was to your benefit at that point to choose the greater good over your decision sort of thing. Right. You know, which it, is exactly. You know, and it's you know, I think lately you've been talking about sometimes comfortability in games. You know, we all have our comfortability level. And that's something that's a little uncomfortable for me because it's not something I'm not a big co-op game person. So I don't have a lot of that. Uh, you know, those things that I play in games a lot. So it's definitely something I think play more of it, you know, okay, you become more comfortable with that. Yeah, I would say overall, it's in my lower tier of of what I like from a Lizarda game, but I'm still glad to have it in my collection and it'll definitely come out. And I will say really quick before we move on that I did play the cooperative version as well and I quite like it. And that's way, obviously, as you would think, it's way harder to overcome those those CO2 levels and stuff. That's a lot harder to do. But the reason that I have, have it and am glad to have that as a co-op play is because I think eventually when Stephanie's schedule calms down a little bit, I'll actually be able to get in a co-op version of a Lacerda game, which would be, Ooh. <laughs> which would be nice. exciting. <laughs> Stephanie to play that. Yeah. I, all right. I'll be yeah. impressed. <laughs> by, by the way, how are we doing on that Agricola uh, contest? Uh, yeah, so uh, we're still at... <laughs> <laughs> we're still at three, but you know, come on now. We're only moving into the fifth month. I can get that play. Come on, She's, she's been promising. <laughs> <laughs> Got to come through for me. Come on. Uh, oh. All right, so we heard about Richie and I. What have you been playing? You know, I haven't been playing a lot of new stuff here lately. There's, you know, a little bit of uh, not a bunch coming out. Um, so I've been playing a lot of older games, the uh, games that I love, but I have been playing one that I just got a, a new expansion. Uh, well, I don't even know if we call it expansion, kind of just a little, uh, a mini promo, pro, mini promo. Yeah. And it's for a game called voyages of Marco Polo. Uh, this is one of my favorites. I love it's, it's has a, you know, it's dice worker placement. If you don't know anything about it, it's a good dice worker placement where you roll these dice and then you go out and you 
you know, you collect resources and you do this traveling and, and, you know, some, some, what I'd call kind of basic type of things. But the thing that makes this game so amazing is they have these amazing special player powers where they just are, every one of them is just completely seems broken compared to every other one of them. And that's how you feel about everyone. So that's really the cool thing about it. Um, I've been playing it a lot here lately because um, our friend Ryan Brockman, who is the owner of 3D Bitspace, he made a insert for me for this game, which, boy, if, if you know anything about this game and you have just even the base game has a lot of bits and parts in it, but more or less when you start getting all these, these expansions, he made this beautiful uh, insert where, boy, you just pick it right up and plop and boom, and it's real easy to throw out all the, uh, you know, the city spots and all these tiles which it has just a lot of stuff in it so it's really nice to have um but anyways back to this mini expansion now one thing if you know much about this game when you have to travel traveling can be tough because there are not a lot of passageways that kind of intersect the board and so it's kind of like well gosh i need to get there well i've got to go way 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 around and traveling is not easy in this game well with these new secret passages you basically, if you have a card, it will say, you know, you can go from one spot to another spot and you didn't, you know, where there wasn't a path before. And that makes it all oh, so much nicer to be able to travel. It's just kind of a cool thing to do. So it's, it's nice. But if you don't need that secret passage, maybe you're not doing traveling or you're not anywhere near there. It also has the ability you can toss it away and it will give you, you know, maybe some resources or some money. So uh, I, I don't know, Richie, me and you played it. You, you showed it to me that first time before I got it. And I think we both just really enjoyed that. Yeah, I like what it adds. It doesn't add, I mean, as far as complexity goes, it doesn't add any more complexity to the game. You just have a, another option and it just makes traveling a little bit easier. It's still it's still tough because <laughs> the yeah. money is still tough. But even if you can't use it, like you said, using those cards for I mean, sometimes you really need, you know, either just uh, some resource or some camels or something. And a lot of times you'll be able to just cash those in for that. So that which is really nice. Chad, you have not gotten to play this mini expansion yet, have you? I, I haven't. I've played the other big expansion and yeah. some of the gift, you know, the gift small expansion mm -hmm. promos and stuff. But I'd love to I'd love to try it out. I mean, obviously, this was I think this is one that the three of us you know, share a very close affinity for and have bonded over, yeah. you know, because it's just such a, it's just such a great game. I mean, just the way that the the powers work in the game and, yeah. and dice placement and it's, it's a really great. Well, and if game. I'm not mistaken, I think if, if all three of us had to choose uh, the game with the best player powers out there, I think we'd all, I mean, oh, yeah. this, yeah, is, hands this is number one. So yeah. Yeah. This so, goes yeah. back to about a year ago when we, I think we made a player power list and this was, you know, high atop all of our lists. So. Right. Well, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if you like player powers and uh, you know, some dice placement type of game, if you've not tried voyages of Marco Polo, definitely it is, it is worth a play. Well, there are some things on Kickstarter right now that uh, have been interesting and some stuff that have we have just gotten in that have been fulfilling finally, which are which are really nice too. But let's head over to Clef's Kickstarter corner for a little bit of a maybe a pre-order corner. I guess I get to bust in on Clef's Kickstarter corner today with this pre-order. You, if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you know that we are fans of Capstone Game, and you probably know that we like some splatter spelling games. At least I do. So they have announced their 20th anniversary reprint of Bus, which is really exciting. It was 
gosh, it's weird to think about. 1999 at Essen that these guys, Joris Ursinga and Jeroen Duman, introduced Bus to to the world. And so so Capstone has decided to do a reprint with all new art. It's a deluxe edition, actually. Uh, I think it retails or it's it's uh, online for about $100. But it looks like you get a lot of extra stuff, really nice wooden components and uh, some art with it. And I do like the updated art. That's always a bone of contention with splatter spelling games, in my opinion. But, you know. Anyway, Bus is a worker placement route building game where you are using worker placement spots to build routes and build around the board to transport passengers mm-hmm. at different times to to different places essentially one of the interesting things about this game and the worker placement action selection aspect of it is you have a limited number of pawns or cubes and you can spend them basically all at once if you really wanted to which obviously you wouldn't want to do but you could do that all at once and once you have spent them all you are done so you are trying to carefully plan out your placement of cubes for these actions and 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 route building and such but then that can also get messed with too because there is a time aspect and somebody can mess with time and the delivery of the passengers to different places as well which can really kind of that that's sort of to me that's the splatter spelling aspect you know the sort yeah. of the knife in the back to your to your other players and the interactivity that is missing from other euro games that aren't that way i think so that that's a really interesting and and very brief aspect to this game uh, brief overview i should say but if you want to know more about it you should really check out the playthrough of that heavy cardboard did over on youtube it's a really well done well done playthrough and and kind of explain stuff in a little bit better terms but i would definitely check that out check out capstone's website for the pre-order the deluxe version looks beautiful but they're also going to come out with a 72 or 75 dollar version if that's a little bit more in your price range for the the more base core game and that looks great as well i mean this is you're here for the gameplay it's a it's a splatter spelling game it's a capstone game you're here for the gameplay but there's there's a lot of nice deluxe stuff in that edition as well yeah, I this is a game that, you know, I'm, I'm still in terms kind of newer to the hobby on some of these older games that I'd never heard of. And I remember Clay talking about this game uh, like probably a year ago, maybe longer and talking about, oh, yeah, it's this game. And, you know, and you've got these action cubes and you can take as many actions as you want. But once those action cubes are gone, well, you're done. And right away I was like that. I love those type of things where it's that planning of, well, I could do this, but. Then am I going to be able to do this later? And I, and I really like that. So, oh, boy, and I'm, I am so looking forward to this game. And watch out because somebody could mess up your plan yeah, as well. So. Exactly, yeah. And then what are you going to do? Use another cube? Well, then you're, then you're losing another action for later in the game. And I think that's a really neat aspect. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, I watched the run through and it was, it was actually really good. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely going to pick it up. And I was just reading it said the anniversary run, they're only doing one print run of it. If you like the extra bling in your games, then you want to jump on that. Why did you look at me when you said extra bling on your games? <laughs> As you're sitting there with your beautiful Gentis uh, deluxe copy yes. there sitting in front of me. All right. You jealous? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> okay. I've been playing that game for a year and a half, and I'm not worried about it whatsoever. I am jealous of that, though. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, okay, well, you've, you've interrupted me again, but I'm still doing my Clef's Kickstarter corner because I've got one that I am ready. I, I am ready to dip my toe i don't know maybe my whole leg i'm ready to do some 18xx i I am ready now 
we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, comfortability, you know, route building is not always my cup of tea. I'm not, for some reason that just, I'm good with non-route building, but for some reason route building has always kind of been a little bit uh, not great for me. So, but you know what, this game, everything I've read about it, I really like the sounds of this. And I want to give this a try. It's kind of my first 18XX. And that's going to be uh, 18 Chesapeake. Um, it's by Scott Peterson. And some of the things that I found really interesting is it is good for beginning people for 18XX. Uh, for one thing, it says it plays two to six. And he says it absolutely plays great at two players. It has a quicker play time. You're talking about two and a half, maybe three and a half hours, uh, as he calls it a weeknight game. Um, so, which, you know, uh, I could see that. You could get a good game in in three hours on a weeknight. And it also says it's got a very Euro style components with clear and understanding of how to kind of play that. And I thought, okay, now you're kind of talking my language. So I think that that is more up my alley. So for anybody out there who maybe hasn't decided to dip into 18XX and has been thinking about it, I think this would be a good opportunity. Um, Gameplay wise, you know, I am not an 18XX player, so I can't talk to you whether how this is different from other games or whatever. But it certainly is going to be, you're going to have a stock market, you're going to have route building, you're going to have companies that uh, you're going to use to obviously make you money. And there are going to be times when you're going to want to sell them off and, and, you know, different things that you do in 18XX. So like I said, I would just check this out. If it's something you've been thinking about, definitely go check it out. It already is like at a, like 400% backed. I mean, so this is a guarantee it's going to come. Um, Chad, did you, you look at this? And I jumped on it the first day. A couple of things that I would say to people that are, are questioning this. This is a good way to jump in because... A, you just talked about a variety of player counts. Now, I, I, I pr- it probably isn't best at two, but you could play it at two, very playable at two, from what I've heard from people. And and so for a lot of us, you know, that's that's a bonus. We get to play more. And the shorter play time, again, and the introduction to it, all those things are really friendly to, I think, the crowd that kind of listens to us or somebody that is also kind of dipping, dipping their toe in the 18xx waters. And the other thing that I will say is, 18xx, with the exception of a few, have traditionally really poor production values for the most part. I mean, we're talking paper maps a lot of times and very thin cardboard chits. So if that matters to you at all, because this Kickstarter is doing really well, they are able to upgrade their components. And so it's it really is worth jumping in on that because you're going to have an 18xx game that is going to be better than most 18xx games out there. And the other thing I'm seeing, I think another one jumped on Kickstarter recently. I'm, I'm excited for this because I think more are getting on Kickstarter and they're able to upgrade their components a little bit so they're not just quite so flimsy. I know it's not the most important thing to us, but right. but you know, paper maps can sometimes be a pain. And so yeah. So in, in this case, it's going to be a well-produced 18xx, right. which is rare. Yeah. And especially for people who maybe are not used to, you know, maybe lesser degree of of production. They're they're more you know, the blinged out stuff that we get like in the Euro game type of stuff. So yeah. And, and price point wise, I mean, it's $70 and I mean, that's, that's it. That's going to get you everything, whatever stretch goals they hit that get you everything. And really you're talking, that's, that's not a bad price. I mean, considering um, another and totally off the subject here, but another Kickstarter that's out there right now for, for Anachrony's expansion. I mean, Anachrony's expansion is 
$70 for an expansion. You know, and this you're getting a full game. Well, so that is uh, 18XX Ches- uh, Chesapeake, or Chessy, as it's affectionately called. What? How many days will it have if it uh, drops after this, ep- or when this episode drops? Uh, it'll still have, like, at least 10 days. Okay. So, I mean, it's, yeah. Nice. So, yeah, it'll have at least 10 days still left on there. So you got plenty, plenty of time. Well, that was a full kickstarter pre-order corner thanks for letting me horn in once again and then adding your valuable advice all right let's move over to our review of arkwright all right arkwright is a two to four player game that plays approximately, I would say, about an hour per person, maybe a little bit longer when you first are learning it. It is by Spielworks and then reprinted by Capstone Games. It is by Stefan Risthaus and artwork by Harold Liskey. Arkwright takes place in the 17th 18th century where you are a factory owner that is producing goods to sell to the local London market or England market, uh, but you can also sell to foreign lands, which is though, however, a little bit more risky. Now, I literally, this this game, for me to sit here and explain the rules of this game would take me forever. I mean, it is not a quick uh, learner, but some basics of the game are you're making factories, then you're setting the price for the goods that you have. And there's four different factories. You can have a bread, shirt, uh, silverware, cutlery, I think is what it's called, and then um, lamps. And you then set the prices for what you want to charge for these goods, which then will set your appeal. And your appeal, this is where kind of the crux of the game goes on, where depending on who else is in that same factory, they also are setting prices. And then you'll have different ways to increase your appeal But how much your appeal is, is how much goods that you will actually sell to the local market. You'll produce however much you are able to produce, but that amount that you're able to sell depends on that appeal, which can be tricky. And that's where the kind of the fun of the game comes in, because if you set your appeal too high, you may not sell all of your goods or make as much as you know that you need to. But if you set it too low, you might have a surplus and then not make enough money on it. But one of the keys to this is also when you're producing these goods, you have to always pay your factory workers. And depending on how many factory workers you have is how much you're going to produce. And there's where the real trick can come in also, because then you make so much money, but then you have to pay for all of your workers. And the workers have a fluctuating where they kind of how much they they are paid and we kind of joked I mean there are times where hey even if you make just a couple of bucks after running your factory that's better than sometimes when you have to pay more money than you actually just made because you have to pay your workers game is played over basically five eras Um, the other thing that well I, I should kind of mentioned how do you win the game, which is kind of a unique thing also. And that is you you purchase stock and you have stock at the beginning of the game, but you have to sell it for money. That's the only way you get money. But during the course of the game, you need to try to reacquire more stock because at the end of the game, wherever you're like this track ends up at, I mean, I don't want to go too much into that. You have to times that times your stock and then that's how much money you make. This is literally a terrible job of explaining this game. It's very heavy. It's very deep. We'll get into it more when we start talking. I would say that if you if you like what you hear from this podcast, it's worth because it, it really can't be explained very easily in in podcast form. 
if you like what you hear, go over to YouTube. There is a video that Heavy Cardboard, again, does the playthrough. And it is a longer teach, but it is worth it if it sounds interesting to you because he, he teaches it, Edward teaches it very well. And also, Ambi or uh, Ambirona uh, from Board Game Blitz also has a, a YouTube video where she teaches it very well as well. So either one of them is a, is a very good source to check out for, for this game. And it... And you, you just really have to see it. The appeal, the appeal track is the crux of the game. But in order to understand it fully, you need to see it. You know, we'll obviously go into a little bit more deeper discussion here as we go along. But yeah, that that's a little rough overview. I don't want to, you know, like we just said, take too much time. But yeah, if you're interested, definitely go check those things out. One thing that I will say is that the way you take actions is everybody has the same sort of action chits, essentially. And the, that's sort of an action selection. And you are placing those out on your board, which out on the main board, which you have your own row to place those out in and they are varying costs so you're kind of trying to plan out how much you want to pay for each action because each slot has a different cost to it and you're slotting these various chits of actions in at different costs and you're trying to plan for that and the other interesting thing as you go in the game there are opportunities to get other chits that grant you special powers and other chits that upgrade those actions so that's that's really the essentials to the game. But let's just jump in. Should we just start in with uh, components and art? Richie, what did what was your feelings on the uh, components and art? There's not that much art in the game, but uh, I actually like the even though we, we I don't know necessarily how necessary they are, but the upgraded wooden components that the caps capstone uh, version has is great. I think the real original Spielworks was just I mean everything was cubes, right? Yes, basically yes, that's correct. Yeah, so it's nice to have that in there. I. You don't really mess around with the components that much. I mean, honestly, in this game, I I have my calculator out, and my head is basically buried in that for the most time. So I'm not really paying attention to the the uh, components and art that much. So I, I think they're serviceable in this game. Chad, I would echo that same thing. It's nice to have little wooden silverware and little wooden shirts and stuff, but you don't really you don't handle them that much for this game you put them in your little warehouse maybe you get them when you set them on the appeal track but you don't have them in your hand for that much of the game but it's a nice little bling i will say most of the artwork is sort of a dusty dingy typeface font type thing because we're talking about the industrial revolution and so it's sort of this offset typewriter font when they're using they're using font for lettering and but i the well, one thing I will say is the box art on the box is this sort of 3D picture almost of a machine from the Industrial Revolution, and it really pops, and I wish there were more of that on the board. Again, you wouldn't want it to be too cluttered, but I wish there were more of that style that was on the box on the board because it's really actually kind of striking. Yeah, I will echo the fact that when I first got those little upgraded components, I was like, oh, cool. And then as you start to play the game, it's kind of like, yeah, you don't handle them a lot. You know, it's kind of like, oh, you get one of these and now they all go back into the, the you know, the pile or whatever. So you don't use them a lot. And I can see where cubes work just fine. But yet it still is nice. It's, you know, especially when you one nice thing. And like Chad said, if you do have a surplus and you put them into your warehouse, you don't have to worry about, oh, did I accidentally bump that? Was that a cutlery or was that a lamp or whatever you know so i think in that sense i think they're very nice to have that um and once again what chad said i mean the artwork is fine i think the components otherwise you know i mean the player boards are decent i mean nothing 
no warping or anything. I mean, good, strong cardboard. I mean, you know, uh, really serviceable for this game is what I would call it. Now, we didn't really talk about this, but there is a water frame and a spinning Jenny variant. And the spinning Jenny variant is the beginner variant, correct? Yes. I mean, um, today when I'm talking about this game, I'll purely be talking about water frame. Um, you know, I, I, did, I have not played either one of the other versions because, I mean, I feel like I'm I'm in for a penny, I'm in for a pound, I'm, I'm going to go for it. But yes, there are ones that you can play that are a little bit, uh, like don't have the shipping aspect. I think the Spinning Jenny, I don't think has the shipping aspect. And then I think, what was the, what's the other one? I think the player powers so. are also removed or restricted in, in Spinning Jenny as okay. well. I would, yeah, if, if I were telling somebody to look at the game, and again, I didn't use the rule book much, but I would just dive in and learn the whole game, whether you want to do that from the online videos that we talked about or from the rule book. I would just say that that's, that's where the game is, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess around much with the beginner variant because I don't think that it adds so much that you'll be overwhelmed you're you're either going to get it or you won't for the whole entire game right and so i just think those little things that are taken out don't really complicate it that much that it adds you know in over your head sort of gameplay and and then there's the other version that's that is the main version it's just less time i think it only plays three rounds i think is what it is Mm -hmm. so it's certainly there for if you need you know if you needed to get a quicker game in or something like that i think is is what that is but um i have not played either one of those versions and didn't really much read up on them simply because you know like i said i'm i'm in it for the whole game or whatever but uh they are those options there i never having having only been taught the game and, and looking at the other things i didn't really realize that there was a three uh three round version so i didn't even know that yeah i believe so don't 100 percent quote me on that but i think that's what it is i think it's it's the spinning jenny which is totally you know stripped down whatever and then i think there's the middle version which yeah is just a less rounds so then that way you can get the game done faster and then you've got the main game well so real quick before we move on what did you think of the rule book since you did spend a lot of time with the rule book? um so this is just this is the capstone version that i have so i have the capstone rule book and i actually learned it from the rule book to start with so i didn't do any videos or anything i just flat read it from the rule book don't know if I had everything 100% right. Certainly when I went and watched uh, the video from Heavy Cardboard, it made me go, okay, now I get that a little bit better and it made it understandable. But I certainly did read the rule book and we certainly had a lot of questions. Uh, first time we played this, it was uh, Richie and I and then our friend Josh. And we did have to go to the rule book a lot. But for the most part, I would say we were able to find the answer to our question yeah i think the rule book like i I did not read the full rule book but when we went to go look for questions it was easy to find things and it was laid out nicely uh there's two books there is the like the rule book i guess and then there's what they call the player's handbook which then that has you know just all the stuff that you're going to need to look up during the game type of thing which i like how publishers sometimes do that you you've got the main rule book of here's how you play and then you have another one where you kind of break down different rules because you're always going to have questions and especially a heavy game like that so i think uh i think clay did a very very nice job of uh of putting that rule book together it, it it worked really nice all right well let's let's move on to the meat and potatoes here game play chad what do you think of this it's definitely heavy. It's definitely a get your calculator out sort of game, like like Richie said. And this is heavy to me, wherein, and this is not everybody's sort of thing, but this is heavy to me in a way of thinking and crunching. Number when when we say crunchy games, we mean number crunching, right? And this is a crunchy game, if that's what that means. 
with Lacerda games, for example, because we talk a lot about those because I enjoy them. With Lacerda games, there are often times where if it's sat on the shelf for a month or two, you're going to come back to it and you're going to have a lot of little rules questions because he designs complex games and he designs them around a theme. So in order to work properly, there are, uh, there are some side case rules for those to work properly and, and sort of imbue that theme into the game. This is not like that. Once you get it, I feel like you sort of get it as far as the rules go. Okay. As far as the rules complexity goes. However, the gameplay and the planning and the number crunching, that's what makes this a heavy game. And then the interactivity in that appeal track where somebody may set their appeal a certain way and then your plans all go to heck because you you set your appeal because turn order is a big part of this game. And so you get to choose turn order the further back you are on the track. Most of the time, Richie liked to put me first the whole time. Now, that was usually where I was sitting. It wasn't because he just wanted to be mean to me. It was usually because it made him last, which is good in this game because you get to plan out. And then when people set their price at a certain thing, then you quickly undercut them and you get to sell more. And then that's sort of how that appeal track works. But anyway, my point is, is that the complexity here is in the decisions, not the rules. The rules are substantial but once you get it you get it and so it 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 is is brain melting in its in its planning but again the appeal track is really what's interesting and sets it apart from a lot of other games we'll talk about this a little bit more uh, but I first want to hear what you guys have to say about it. I'm just going to say that one of the things I really like about this game is that for me, and I haven't experienced every game out there, but this does something very specific and different to what a lot of games, what a lot of other games do. It, it sits in its own little niche and I know when I want to play this game and what the feeling that I'm going to get from it. And, you know, it's very specific. It's not like, oh, you want to play Arkwright? Well, why, we, why can't we play this other game that's sort of like Arkwright? Nah. I mean, there's an XT, <laughs> 18xx component, maybe. And we haven't played a lot of those, but there's an 18xx component that might have to do with the market and selling shares and stuff. But this is it's in, in its own niche. It, almost like this is a precursor to going into that 18xx world i'd say that's a fair comparison yeah so richie what was your feelings of the overall gameplay it was great man i and like chad said the heaviness in this game is the crunching of the numbers the planning and because i mean you you don't have that many actions the actual once you actually know how to play the game each round is actually pretty easy to run through so i mean you're just picking an action you're going to do that action at the end that particular good that is up is going to sell. It's going to produce and then sell. Right. So it, it's actually pretty simple once you actually start playing it. But it's if you do not have your numbers right, when it comes time for you to sell, and then, I mean, and this is also one of those games where there's a lot of cursing after the production and after the sales, and then you look, it's like, wait a minute, I only made $2, or I lost $10 yeah. after paying my workers. Or someone goes and they start clearing out the the workers out of the market. They start hiring a bunch of workers, and now workers are four dollars a pop, and you did not plan for that. And you you will not have enough money, and you're going to have to do an emergency emergency sell of stock. It's just there's a lot that you have to be aware of, and a lot that you have to plan for. And like I said, get your calculators out. Just make it easy on yourself and <laughs> try to do your figuring there. But it, I mean, it's great. It's it's a punishing game, but it's everyone knows that I don't like I don't like games that punish me for playing. So like 
tramways we've talked about where the, the stress i feel like that's just the game punishing me in this game it's punishing but it's because i did not do something right i didn't plan well and right. i like that in this game right so yeah I, th- I think it's great this game just clicks the buttons for me it has the planning it has the deep decision making it has um you know the fighting the the, the player interaction where i mean that as chad was kind of talking about earlier i mean if you get and there's four rounds, and if you have the power to be able to go last in two of those four rounds, how substantial that is! Because then you've gotten to see where everybody else has set their appeal, and then you can make decisions upon that is so huge. But when you're not first, obviously now you got to figure out, or I should say, if you are first or second in the round or third or whatever you are in the player order, you got to figure out where am I going to go with this? How much do they going to try to do? And you have to make that plan. And that part I just think is amazing. It's heavy. It's it has a lot of time where you're sitting there thinking, and you really, you know, some game. I mean, if I'm playing some, you know, lightweight Euro Marco Polo, you know, if you're going to take more than thirty seconds, I'm going to be yelling at you to take your turn. In this game, you know, you might take two or three minutes, and I'm not going to say a word because you need to think and you need to plan. I mean, you you need to have that moments of I could do this or I could do that or I'm going to do this. That part is all great. Not to mention then, not only then, but you have each of these tiles, these action tiles that you're putting out on that board. And when you put those action tiles out, you're either going to have a tile that is going to let you reprice your goods or your you know your amount of money on your goods that changes your appeal. Or you're going to be able to go get a special tile. And we haven't talked a lot about this yet, but these special tiles, pretty game-breaking. I mean, these special tiles do some really cool things. And sometimes getting to some of those can be really important to then help kind of move your strategy and, and how you want to do and how you want the game to go. And so that's the balance of that first player too. So then if you're first player, you can take one of those special tiles before somebody else sure, gets it. So yeah. that, that's that balance there, which is kind of nice. But like Clef said, and this is really interesting too, I found some of my some of my times because the way that the round structure works, we just talked about it, but there are goods that okay, this this phase we're gonna we're gonna start with bread or food. And and that's this phase and and everybody who's in bread because not often are you gonna get into everything. Sometimes Clef tried a game where he tried to do it and it was tough and that was the only game I won because it's so tough to do. <laughs> um, but I will say that uh, it is one of those games where you you even have to plan out from the very start, right? So so if I am not first in turn order, then I you know. I might sell more stock and get more money at the beginning of the game, which puts me back farther, which means I get to choose turn order, which means I might decide which which things I'm going to get into. Because if I do bread, then maybe I won't do shirts, which are right after bread, because then maybe I want to get into silverware. Because then if I get into silverware, then maybe I won't do lamps. See, you kind of pick this back and forth ebb and flow, because if you get into everything, you don't get enough breaks sometimes to plan what you're going to do for the next good. And so a lot of times if you get into bread you'll skip the next one and then you'll do the next thing and you and you have that sort of give and take because you need not only do you need to wipe your brow after that but you need to plan what you're going to do for the next goods and so you're happy a when somebody takes two minutes to plan their turn because it means you can <laughs> you got more either <laughs> either step away from the table or choose you know to plan yourself or b it means you know you're going to you're going to plan your other turns and 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 look forward to the next good. Yeah. And one aspect you just talked about there is you get to pick which factories you go into. I mean, the start of the game, you're, you're going to go into two of the four for sure. But after that, you kind of have a decision. And one thing we found is 
boy, if you start running all four factories and every round you're under this immense pressure to try to figure out how am I going to monopolize to make enough money so I'm not owing money. And we finally realized, I think, like in our second game or something, boy, if you don't have a factory, th- that round, it's like almost like a oh relief. I can yeah, kind of breather. just kind of do something that I need to take care of and maybe get a special tile. And, oh, OK, I don't have to worry about what the appeal is this round and what's going on or whatever. It's weird to think, but it's almost like a break in the game it for It totally you. is. You could, I'd be like, oh, okay, good. I get to watch Richie curse out, yeah, clap a little exactly, bit. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah that feels so that much one. better than what, <laughs> what was just happening. You know, So there, there, there is definitely a lot of that. And the other thing is that if you sell the most goods or most kind of goods, you get bumps up on that track, which is your shares in the game. And so that your share price, I should say, excuse yeah. me, in the game. And so then your share price goes up. Well, that's... That's good to an extent, but then you're going to eventually need to buy back stocks. So now you're buying stocks that are more expensive. And again, when you move up, then you're not in last place and you don't get to decide that turn order anymore. Right, so right. again, more of that push and pull and decisions. Well, and, you, and that's another one of the things that you can, with, with that share price, that's how you win the game is by buying shares and then having it times that. But yet the lower you are, the cheaper your shares are to buy, the higher you go, obviously the more expensive, but then it's going to times that. And I think Richie and I both took a couple of separate games. We tried to do that when, when we talk about the selling of it, you're either going to sell to England and you get your stocks bump up for that, or you can sell shipping it, which is more lucrative. It pays you more money but you lose bumps on that stock market. And you're talking about the goods, not your shares. You're talking right, about the selling the Sorry, goods. Selling the goods, and then but you move up and down on that share price pointer. And so, the like I said, you know, it, it's kind of a, almost you want to try to do a little bit of both because you don't want your share to go too high early because it's too expensive to buy shares, but you don't want to let it get too low, which I think, Richie, you encountered that in that game we played where it yeah, just got just, way too low and you just couldn't come back up even since you had bought a lot of your shares by the end. Right, yeah, I had most of my shares by the end, but I just didn't, I did not have enough time to get it bumped up to where that multiplier you know, made a difference. Right, right. And that's the hard thing too. Do you buy when they're cheap earlier on in the game, but you need that money to build more factories to, to right. get in on, you know, on some of the other stuff that you're souping up You're you know, we didn't talk about it, but you have advertising that costs money. You have, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, quality. quality. You make your quality better. Yep. Which costs money, but yet it makes your appeal better because you have better quality. Um, you have to upgrade your factories during the game. Otherwise you basically have to, put extra workers on there, which is, I mean, bad. You don't want to do that because they cost lots of money, especially as the game goes on. Another part of the machine too, uh, excuse me, another part of the theme here too, which is interesting is it is the industrial revolution. So you are replacing your human workers with machines as well. And that makes your costs go down, which is great. Right. And, and it also then puts guys on the unemployment line then that are able to be hired again. But it's, again, that's part of the job market thing that makes workers cost more or cost less, which is interesting as well. Yeah. Which is a, another thing where you have that player interaction where there's these lines where if you go past them, the workers can start to cost more. And maybe like in a round where you're not having anything run in your factory, you might purposely want to try to hire more workers to make it more money so that the other people when they get done running their factories they have to pay more money because you only pay money to factories that ran you know that that round so that's another aspect of the game that just goes into 
not only planning, but that, you know, ha ha, I screwed you this round type <laughs> yeah. of thing. You yeah, know? <laughs> the, the player interaction is great in this game. And then even the race for, I mean, the race for those special powers is important because I know there are some combos, I mean, depending on which ones are in the game, but there are combos that you can set up like with the machines. I know I had one where it made it cheaper for me to buy machines. And then also I only had to pay a dollar for a line. For the whole row. For the yeah. whole row of the machines rather than have to pay a dollar for each one of them. So yeah, it's really important that you got to watch what other people are doing. And it, you know, the timing is critical. I think, I mean, this is where it's at, the gameplay. And the only other Stefan Reisthaus game that I played is is Gentis, which we really like. It's a really good game. We all own it and all enjoy it. But I think, I don't know, I, I would I would venture to say, I'm not, I'm not uh, Nostradamus, but I would venture to say that this is just always going to be his magnum opus because the gameplay in it and the interactivity is just so smart. Right, right. I think Chad just said a bunch of words that I didn't understand, but okay. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree. This, uh, I, I love Gentis, but I mean, this game is, you know, blows it out of the water for me. I mean, and that says a lot cause I love Gentis, but this game is a top notch, heavy strategy type of game. And I think more in a way is now really wanting me make me have that dip into that 18 XX game because I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I feel like to get into that heavy or strategy type of game um, because of this because just amazing. Okay. So real quick, let's run into player count. So like I said, it's a two to four player game. Richie, you've played it at. I've only, all my games have been at three. Okay. And it, it was great at three. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I have had an opportunity to play it at all player counts. Two is not, I wouldn't say two is optimal in this game simply because you don't have as much interaction on the appeal. It's, you know, a lot of times you kind of person goes into one factory and not the other. So it's a little bit there. There is, there isn't a foreign investor. We didn't talk about that also manipulates the appeal market. So you still have to worry about that. But I, I, not to say that I wouldn't play it at two and I still think it is a very solid game at two, but I think three is probably the sweet spot. Four yeah. is a little long and a little, almost even more hectic. I'll play it at all player counts. Don't get me wrong. I'm just going to say to you, I think three is ideal, but absolutely, it's it's worth the play. I don't care if you slept on the table right now and told me I was going to play a two-player game against Jessica. You know, I'd, I'd sit down and play it against her. So. All right. <laughs> yeah. She's I, probably not going to do that. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> no. She's had her hands full right. <laughs> lately. So, uh, Chad, you, for player count, uh, you've got an in, I believe, just at the three-player count also. Is that correct? I think that's right, which, yeah. to be honest, uh, again, like I had said to you, I think you had said, well, want to play it at four. And I was thinking, I don't really want to play it at four. But I... I I can see how two wouldn't be as interesting. The other thing, and I said this at the beginning, I was not aware that there was a three-round variant. I don't know if that would be any good, but I'd be interested in trying it. Okay, so uh, let's go into uh, replayability and variability. So, Richie, what was your feelings on that? I think it's solid because those special powers change every game. And depending on what power little chit tiles are in the game, that can completely change what you are planning on doing. And I think there's a lot of paths to victory in this game, You know, whether you go after just three uh, factories, whether you do two, I'm sure you know running all four is possible. I'm sure someone who actually knows how to play the game really well 
can probably pull it off or if you go down the shipping route there's a lot of routes to victory uh, usually when we end we're all pretty close to each other and we've all kind of done things a little bit different so I think it's solid replayability and variability. Yeah, I, I would agree on the fact that you do have a lot of great variability in what special tiles come up. Now, I will say there are not, you, you put out, I think it's something like 15 to 20, depending on the player count or whatever, of the special tiles. Uh, you know, the, the variability does come in where you have like 15 to 20 of those different tiles that do come out each game. Um, one day I, I would love if maybe we made some more special tiles just to even make it, you know, like a little mini expansion would even be cool with that. Just after a while you do start to see all of them and I would like to see maybe a little bit of difference, but still don't get me wrong. Still great with the, with the, uh, variability there. And for me, the replayability of this game is just off the charts because every game is going to be different of who goes into what factory, what they start to set their appeal at. The foreign investor, you know, it randomly moves. And then one thing we haven't talked about is there are also at the end of each decade, there is a event that happens. And these different events, they can either be good things where it's like, you know, you get blah, blah, blah or whatever, or it can be, you've got to pay so much money for each worker or each machine you have or each shipping you have. I mean, and then it's all of a sudden like, uh, great, I just lost all my money, you know. So there has all these different things that are going to be different every single time you play it. And that just is, yeah, replayability. I feel like I could play this game 30 more times and still have things that I could explore and still do. And part of that is that player interaction because it just somebody does something and it switches it up for you completely. So when there's good player interaction, it's not like every Euro game where you're just doing your own thing most of the time in some Euro games. So that player interaction can really switch up the feeling of the game and how antagonizing you are to each other and how tight certain things are and which goods you guys both choose to go into or gals. What you know, right. it, it, It's one of those things where it's just... It adds, there, there's so much, there's so many strategies, it feels like, and so much depth to the game that it, I've had, I think, three or four plays, and it doesn't feel like I've even mastered any particular strategy. <laughs> so, so I mean, there's, there's plenty to explore. Right, right. So what about theme for you guys? I mean, obviously it has a theme. I mean, you're definitely you know, like a factory owner in the, in the industrial revolutionary time. Do you guys feel that way? I mean, does that theme come through for you guys? I mean, I definitely feel like I'm running a factory, and mm. <laughs> I want to get those workers out of there and get machines installed quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think it actually, you know, it plays into the theme well. Okay. It does running a company really well. You are you have massive spreadsheets, balancing sheets in front of you, and you're trying to figure out your long-term goal for your goods and how what what your market is essentially like am i going to be sure i'm selling shirts but i'm i'm just selling the uh the Kmart brand shirts or am i selling the high-end Hanes her way shirts and <laughs> you know and i'm going to have real high appeal here you know so so i think you are you're you're still doing that but i will say a lot of it just sort of melts away for me because i'm just like, oh, your brain's bleeding play. on yeah. the thought yeah. process of how to play the game. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like we've we've really covered this game. Um, so let's let's run into uh, giving our rating. Uh, Richie, you want to go ahead and give uh, the listeners our punchboard rating scale? Yeah, so on Punchboard Paradise, we like to rate on a six-point scale. A one being a game that makes you miserable, and a six being a game that is a contender for your top ten of all time. All right, Chad, we're going to start with you. What would you give a rating 
to Arkwright. So this is tough. I I don't own it. You do. But I'm glad that if, if you didn't, I would make sure one of us had it in our collection. Okay, yep. All right. It, it needs to be in our collection. I will say we played a lot of plays of this, or I felt like it was a lot of plays of this over a short time. Sure. Which, again, it is not, the time to play is not a short time. However, I kind of knew that going in, and the first time I played, I thought to myself, whoa, even though it is you know 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, it didn't feel like that. It really moved because I was so absorbed. I think, though, part of the reason, part of the thing of having having a podcast and having to, or feeling like anyway, having to play a lot of other games, when we had to play this one in short succession, I was quite aware after a while of the time that it took and and that sort of thing. So I think that factors into it a little bit for me. Again, I will say that this game does something that no other game that I've played as of yet really does and does so well and is so smart. And I want to experience that. And I want to be able to have that in my collection. So it, it, it's 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 a four for me. It's not a five, I don't think, because it's not a game that I'm going to want to play all the time. It is a game that w- at least once a month I'm going to go, all right, you guys, let's get this off the shelf. Let's go. Let's play it. Um, and that's that's where it sits for me. I, I could see it maybe being one of the best games of the year it's just i know that it's not always going to be first off my shelf part of that is who i get to play with very often and part of that is the function of the podcast so it's a four but a very high four richie what say you i was really surprised by this i was not expecting to enjoy it as much as i did when i actually first got into the hobby so was, this came out in 2014 right uh third yeah 14 14 yep um, so I won a copy of this in 2015. So that's only like one or two years into the hobby for me. And as soon as I got it, I wanted through like a podcast giveaway. I got it. I looked at the rules and I said, I, I'm never going to learn how to play. <laughs> I'm never going to figure this out. So then I sold my copy. Uh, I would not sell if I want it. I would not sell it today. <laughs> and I'm a little sad at a little disappointed with uh, previous Richie. So <laughs> I'm disappointed with previous Richie too. But. <laughs> Um, so for me, this is a game that I, I would never turn down to play. Uh, one of the other things I thought when I got injured was cause we have, we're planning on playing a four player game that Friday. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not, I can't play arc right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, this is a game that when I redo my top uh, 50 or top 100, I think it's going to be in the like top 15, maybe even in the top 10. So for me, it's a six. Okay. It's a fantastic game, and like I said, I'm absolutely shocked by it, especially with our first game took us about four and a half, five hours. It did not Maybe feel like that. Longer. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a little longer. There was like a, a lunch thing in there. Sure, and all that sure. Stuff. But like actual gameplay, probably four and a half, five hours, and it did not feel like that. Time flew, and yeah, uh, anytime, any place, I will play Arkwright. So for me... This game, as I've kind of already said, hits on every single one of the buttons that I love in a Euro game. And, you know, this is going to be my obligatory brass comment. You know, I mean, it hits just like kind of brass does in a way where you have that great player interaction. You've got to figure out, okay, if I do this and they do that, you know, you've got all that great thing, those great things going on. 
It just does everything that I love it. I love the the special tiles that you get. You know, almost feels like you you know you get special powers in the game, which is cool. Um, you know, the decision making of which factories to go for. Everything there is just absolutely perfect. And I think as Chad said a little bit earlier, I mean, I've played the game now oh probably six or seven times, and I don't even feel like I've even come close to figuring out. Oh, this is the best way to go. Every time I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll try a little of this or I'll try a little of that. And I just think there's so much to explore in this game. This game is no doubt 100% a six for me. It's not even, there was never even a thought process that this thing would be anything but a six. I don't understand. I cannot imagine when I redo my top 50 or wherever it comes in that this game will not be in my top 10 of all time. It is a game that I am going to love to play for a long, long, long time. I mean, this is, is going to be a mainstay. So 100% six and high six. Okay. So, um, whoa, wait, wait a minute, guys. I just, I just got an alert. Clay just contacted me and he said, I've got a special for you. I think they call those text messages, not uh, alerts. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was an alert. Uh, oh, okay. My fault. <laughs> I got a text message. Really (laughs) special. I got a bat phone to Clay. Okay. (laughs) He has said that we, he is willing right now, anybody who wants to go to the capstone website and order Arkwright, there's going to be a special spot for a special code. And that special code is going to be punch borders, punch borders, P U N C H B O O A R D E R S. I don't think there's a spelling contest. I think if you're close, it'll okay. still work. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I, I do think you have to spell it correct. All right, fine. All right. So, Punch Borders, you're going to be able to get Arkwright at $20 off. $20 off for, as I just said, and Richie just said, one of the best games of all time. And Chad, if he had more time in life to play board games, it would probably be higher. Yes. I, I mean, it's, it's a very good game. Regardless, yes. I said, if you don't have it in your collection, it needs to be. It in needs to be there. One of you, somebody in your, your play group needs to have this in their collection. So $20 off, you go use that punch border uh, code and you're, you're going to get that game shipped out to you. I can't say enough about this game. Yeah, go get it. Go, go right now. Don't stop. Don't listen to the rest of the episode. Just go to it. Moving on, I think we've uh, we're continuing on with our top uh, BGG top 100 games, and we're starting in on uh, 70 through 61. So we're going to start off with game number 70, which is Tigers and Euphrates. And the designer on that is Reiner Knizia, and the most recent printing is from Fantasy Flight Games, but there have oh. been a lot of. Okay. Other publishers that have done that. That's an odd one for fantasy flight games. I mean, not well, usually that, in their wheelhouse. That it's, was when they were doing that Wind Wind Rider Wind Rider yeah. Studios. Okay. That they were kind of saying, "Hey, we do Euro games too." So. Well, they're, but they're basically just reprinting Kanizia's old classics. I think I don't even think they branched out from that. Really, I think you're right. They did Ra, and that might even be it. I don't know. Uh, Samurai and Through the Desert were the other mm-hmm. other ones. I think. Okay, good call. Um, well, I have played this, Chad. I have not. I've only played Yellow and Yangtze, which we played last year, I think, sometime. Okay. Yeah. And Richie, have you played Tigers and Euphrates? Uh, I've played it on an app, and then 
uh, like chat said, Yell and Yangtze is the, the version that I've played the most okay. of the game. So, yeah, I've only played this once on an app. Okay. I've played it quite a bit back in early uh, days. Uh, my, my friend John Davis, uh, this is one of his favorite games, and we used to play it a lot back in the day. So I have played it a lot. It obviously has the unique mechanism of whatever your lowest score is is what you score, which we always look at Chad and laugh about that one. So because <laughs> you didn't quite grasp that the first time we played Yellow and Yangtze. But uh, uh. Uh, certainly this is a classic. And I mean, I definitely feel like this kind of deserves a spot in the top 100 of the BGG. Um, yeah, it's a great game. And Obviously, Kinesia is, you know, a master at these type of games. They talk about this one being an abstract strategy game. And I will say when I played Gil and Yangtze, I suppose it felt kind of like that. But I, something about it made it feel like a little bit more to me than an abstract strategy game. I can't really put my finger on what that is. But I mean, how did you, you guys who have played the original, is it the same thing? You know, I know the rules are changed, but. Yeah, I mean. It is. I mean, I would I would say it's you could describe it as that. It's not my favorite. I mean, I I'm like, yeah, I can take it or leave it. But I felt the same way about Yellow and Yangtze. You know, I, it's it's there. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels very abstract to me, um, and I I almost prefer it at two, like especially with Yellow and Yangtze. Um, I think that's where it works best. So it almost feels like a two player abstract game to me. Personally. I could see that. I, I'd be interested in that tug and pull because you you have that you have that uh, back and forth of the tile placement and taking taking those things from each other. Those I don't know what they're called, the bases or whatever. But but yeah, yeah that was interesting. Yeah. That part was interesting. All right. Next up is Russian Railroads, and that is currently published by Z-Man Games. Designers for that are Helmet Oli and Leonard Orlani Orgler. And uh, Lonnie Orgler is actually, I think, designed an 18xx, and he also designed the 18 Lilliput card game, which is sort of like this, hey, this is sort of 18xx light with cards, which I still ugh, kick myself for not getting in on that Kickstarter. But yeah, Russian Railroads is a favorite for all of us, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I love yeah, this game. I love it. Yeah, Clef has my copy right now. now I now do I have your that. copy right now because <laughs> I have I have Russian Railroads and then I have the German Railroads expansion, but I do not have the American Railroad expansion. And my friend uh, Brian and I have been playing a lot of Russian Railroads here lately, and I was telling him about it, and he's like, uh, okay, let's play that. And I'm like, I don't own it. And so then Richie was nice enough to let me borrow it, and we've already played it twice since I've borrowed it. I, I love this game. It's fun. You need, it's worker placement. Um, and then you're kind of, I mean, route building, yeah, that's yeah, kind of stretching, engine building, yeah. kind of, you know, just all to get victory points. That's all it is. I mean, but yes, but it is, it is. If you if you like engine builders, this is like the endorphin center of the brain for engine builders right, because right. this you just you're getting like if you don't have 300 points by the end of this game you're really not doing well at all i mean yeah. 300 points is a low score for this game yeah and you just by the end you're building these cha chains that are points upon points upon points and it just it feels really good it's really good yeah, yeah. so <sighs> i would say it's not necessarily like you said it's not necessarily route building and in fact i would say that this theme is very very abstracted you don't feel like that at all i don't think no not at no. all yeah and i would almost say the german is an essential expansion i don't know if it's in print right now but 
if you can track down a copy of that, I would say that. Uh, I, I don't would... think Russian Railroads is in print right now. Oh, is that out of print too? Uh, yeah, oh, I wow. know some people were talking about how they couldn't even get Russian Railroads. So yes, uh, this is a this is a tough one to get. Unfortunately, it, it, it is very hard to get still. But I would agree with you. The reason there's a coal expansion, which I don't, which I don't think is essential, but the reason that the German railroads expansion is important is because it mixes up what routes you want to take and when, and sort of some of the actions as well. So yeah. that makes it that that makes it much more variable. Whereas we have a friend, a mutual friend that plays this online, and he has got it down to where he knows every move that you're supposed to make throughout the whole game with the base game, essentially. Yeah, and I mean, those people, you know, I, those people, you know, I don't want to play with somebody <laughs> who's like super scripted, knows exactly what to do. You know, I mean, it's more fun just trying to mess around. But um, but another uh, one of our listeners, Andy England, he's been working on trying to put like a like a victory point track thing together. So like if you have like a crappy victory point track or something in a game you could use this victory point thing and he uh he uh what's that word called texted me the other day and uh not alerted me texted me the other day and said you know hey how high do you think i should go and of course my first thought was well you'd need probably like around 400 maybe 500 for russian railroads and he's like oh hey that's exactly what like three other people would say i mean this is the game for if you like victory points oh boy here you go you're you're not going to get any more than this game so all right, moving on. The next one is going to be Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Now, they have reprinted this. I think Portal Games reprinted it, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Oh, no, excuse me. Space Cowboys, I think, is the most recent printing. But the designer, and this has been out for years, the designer is Raymond Edwards, Suzanne Goldberg, and Gary Grady are the designers on this. I think I am the only one of you that owns a copy. I used to own a copy. I used to own a copy. <laughs> and I own Richie's copy, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I and then I realized I might as well just go out and buy a newspaper and just read that instead. Oh, talk about <laughs> not my style of game. Boy, no, was I either. bored. There are literal newspapers in this game. I'll tell you what, listeners who like this sort of thing, this is a sit on the couch and drink some wine and and hang out and and have a have a night together if you don't want to play a character and you want a mystery you know how they how they do those mis- murder mystery dinner dinner <sighs> themes or whatever yeah you could invite another couple over for dinner drink some wine and sit on the couch together and sit with this map and these newspapers and decide where you want to go in the city and ask questions of whom and that's what this game is it's it's trying to figure it out you will never ever ever be smarter than Sherlock Holmes no, which is one of the irritating things in that game is that you get to the end and he makes this jump that no one would make. Right. It's just because it's written that way. And yeah, I don't just drink the wine and watch a movie on the couch. <laughs> you can just leave this in the box. For uh, our mystery the, fans out there, I think you'd like it. Uh, go, go watch the BBC uh, show Sherlock Holmes and there you go. And you'll be much more entertained. All right, moving on. Uh, next game is a little game called Twa. Um, we've all played this. Yeah. Twa is from Pearl Games. We love, we love Pearl Games. They have a a lot of great, uh, a lot of great ones. And then Sebastian Dujardin and Xavier Georges and Alan Orbain. Exactly. (laughs) Um, I I love this game. Uh, So do I I want to hear from Chad because this seems like it should be a Chad game, but he does not, he's not as high on it as us. I'm not. I'll I'll tell you what though. I am waiting for Black Angel, which does some of those things. We're getting a copy at at Gen Con, I, I had spoke to uh, Sebastian cause he's going to be there and, uh, we're getting a copy because it has some of the, they just came out with 
sea of oh, something celestial sea or it's got this mechanic where or mechanism where the where the board shifts and you're building it mm-hmm. on but you still have all the dice drafting and stuff there there are a lot of similarities but i'm i'm really looking forward to black angel you know what's different and why he's waiting for black angel you know who did the art for black angel oh maybe this guy called ian o'toole <laughs> Regardless, well, I, I understand what you guys like about Twa. Chad needs to start his own podcast of about why Ian I O'Toole. love Ian O'Toole. <laughs> Ian O'Toole Hour. Okay. Uh, Sponsored no, but, by Brass, um, Brass, 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 Brass. But I think, yeah. Uh, I think Twa's a great game. I like, once again, I like the player interaction. I like the ability where you can, you know, your roles may be bad, but you can steal other people's dice. I mean, it's that's great. Um, what about the expansion, Richie? Do you think that's a must? I don't think it's a must. It's module. So, like, I would always throw in the extra scoring cards that are there. Uh, the purple dice I would throw in. The, uh, you know, where you track go Track around. Yeah, the, the track thing. around the, the board is, you yeah. know, it's hit or miss. I like yeah. it, but I don't need to play with it. Base, I mean, base twa is fine. Right. The expansion, it just adds some nice things if you've played it a lot. Right. And the expansion, we should say, is called The Ladies of Twa. Um, and like Richie said, just adds a few different things. I only own the base game of Twa. And I still enjoy it, but I think I'd always rather play with the expansion. All right, moving on to the next game, Roll for the Galaxy. Roll for the Galaxy is another implementation of that uh, whole Race for the Galaxy Puerto Rico type vibe. But the designer is Wei Hua Huang and Thomas Lehman, of course, of Race for the Galaxy fame. And the publisher is Rio Grande Games. Well, Richie, I'll let you start off because this is this is one of your favorites. This is going to be a tough uh, ten to pick a favorite out of because I see what's coming up, and yeah, this is a good this is a good, good selection. I uh, solid game. I've, I've talked about it uh, at nauseum in the past, but if you like any of the uh, Race for the Galaxy games, then I, honestly, I think that this is easier to teach, easier to get into, and especially easier to get other people into that are not as familiar with Race for the Galaxy and all the iconography that's in the game. I just got the newest expansion, which was gigantic, has a ton. I understand the price point now because it has module dice, like think um, uh, Dice Forge, where you can change the oh, dice face okay. like that, yeah. and a ton of extra pieces that you you can create your own dice for on your turn and stuff like that. There's two big modules in there. Have not had a chance to play it yet, but I am excited to, to check it out. So, Chad, I, me and you, I think, are always kind of lukewarm on this one. It's, it's not that I dislike it, but it's certainly not one that I own or look forward to playing. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I would rather do the take the cards and choose what I'm doing with the cards from Race for the Galaxy rather than set up my little dice behind a screen and kind of hope, right. you know, I don't, I, I, I can't really say why. I understand why people feel like it's easier to teach and it plays quicker, but I just, I just like the Race for the Galaxy pureness of the multi-use cards a little bit more. Yeah. I think I want to try roll again because I think I've only played it. Maybe I played it twice with you. I can't remember for sure, but it's one of those games that I think I need to try it again just make a full judgment on it but it's certainly nothing that's ever gripped me to go like oh my god i can't wait to get back to the table so all right moving on to the number 65 time stories time stories is published by space cowboy games and it is it has a bunch of modules to it but it was originally designed by peggy chassonet and manuel rosoy excuse me manuel rosoy um have we all played it I know Chad has. Uh, Richie, I don't know. If I haven't played it. I have watched all of the runs through on it so that I wouldn't buy it. Okay. I just recently saw, by the way, that they're coming out with a new sort of 
birth to this time stories thing. Like there's going to be now the modules for this particular set have ended and they're going to sort of, it's going to continue on some of the storyline, but now there's going to be a lot of different gameplay to it, supposedly. So you have to buy a new base game, probably. I don't know if that's correct. I just kind of saw in passing on the internets uh-huh. about this. On the internets. <laughs> about this new about this new life to the game with new mechanisms added to it. What I will say about this game is I play the first three or four, and it just decreasingly... It dropped for me, I'll say. I played the first one, really enjoyed my experience and got great things out of it. I got a great puzzle to solve, which not all of them I felt have. And we had some moments that I will never forget. But after that, it just precipitously dropped and we were all more and more disappointed in it, including friends that, you know, don't play a lot of board games and tend to like narrative games more than myself. Mm-hmm. We were all kind of increasingly disappointed until it just sort of dropped off for us. Yeah, for me, it's just, you know, obviously not my style of game, just cooperative. And w- I, But I'll even say I always found the mechanics of the game to be kind of clunky for what it was giving you. There was so much about, you know, this the time movement thing and then the role. It, just, it was just so clunky that it just even that made it not very good for I me. I was say the and the thing that really turned me off and why I just watched the spoiler video so that I would not be tempted to actually buy it is the having to start over, having to restart a, a run. And I just I would not be able to handle that. Like if we had to do that multiple times over and over and then I'm out and then just having to go through the same thing over and over again. Yeah. At the at the end, uh, I've we've I eventually just said, I'm just going to go look through the deck and find the card because I'm, I'm done. You know, I'm just not going to do this anymore. Maybe I'm just not smart enough for it or something. But anyway, so uh, that was time stories. And playing through it, I will say playing through it a third time, it just does start to wear on you because you're making the same decisions. It's just one or two things that you got to do differently yeah. in the amount of time. And the other thing, along to your point of mechanisms, I will say that also so the the uh, the the dice rolling and 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 some of that stuff was was clunky. Some of the mechanics or mechanism, excuse me, to with with fighting and those sort of things. Those you know, I kept an FAQ in the box because it needed it. It needed it, and those were there were tons of questions asked when that game first came out. All right, moving on to number sixty four, Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica is from Fantasy Flight Games. It is the des- well, the designer on there is Corey Konetska, and you know this is a game that I owned and I had still never played. And so when it came time to sell for close to eighty bucks or whatever, ninety bucks, something like that, I did it. You jumped on it because <laughs> so I got it for really cheap at a Barnes and Noble. So you never played it? Nope. Richie, did you ever play it? I did play it once. Okay. Uh, there's a couple things that kill it for me. Is one, I have zero connection. I've never seen the show. I don't care about the show. I probably will never watch the show. Uh, I'm going to solve that, but okay. No, I'm going through Game of Thrones right now. <laughs> I'm not watching any other shows. <laughs> you get done with Game of Thrones, and then I'll... <laughs> and you go on to the next game, next episodic TV show with tons of white people on it, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> and, oh and then Dead of Winter. I feel like Dead of Winter fills this niche for me. We have the right. semi-co-op, trader, in your midst feel. A little bit different because you know, obviously, in Battlestar Galactica, there are 100% traders. In right. Dead of Winter, it's a possibility. It's not always going to be the right. case. but Most likely, though. I've played Battlestar Galactica one time. 
the one time I played it, it was taught to me by these two people who had played it a million times. And it was then three, and then there was then, so those two and then three of us. And it just happened to be that the three of us all were the good guys. And the two people who had played this a million times were the Cylons, and they just mopped the floor with us. It wasn't even a, it wasn't even a contest. I mean, they just completely, now I will say one thing that was good, it made it a lot quicker because they destroyed us really quick. So it wasn't like I had to play like some four hour game, which I've heard sometimes these games can go. Um, but after that, my just, it was experience ruined. I was like, you know, I'm, I don't ever want to even try that again. So just not for me. Well, what I did do with this, cause I do like the TV show that was, it, it is in my opinion, it's a cultural touchstone because of the way it, it, yeah. it referenced what was going on at the time in Iraq and some of the other stuff. Very, very interesting and timely and smart. But I will say that because dark moon exists and the people that I'm going to play this with don't want to sit for three and four hours. I, as soon as I sold, as soon as I sold Battlestar, I, I picked up Dark Moon. So Dark Moon is a dice game. It was called Battlestar Galactica Express, Express. I yep. think, but it okay. was under it was under a fan made name, yeah. basically. Yeah, it was a fan made game for it. That was just quicker. All right, moving on. Number sixty three, Mombasa. Mombasa, which is originally from Eggerspiel and designed by Alexander Pfister. Yay, Alexander! Oh. <laughs> and Blackout made me love this game even more because that that card play in this game is just great. And then the tracks that go around it and the interaction on the board just it, it needs to be higher. Sixty was it sixty? Sixty-three. Sixty-three. Too low. I I won't disagree with that. I mean, I love this game. Um, obviously, this is a little bit higher for Richie than it is for me in terms of Fister games. I should say. Um, I love the, I love the stock market tracks that you have to work on. I love the card play and trying to figure that out. Um, you know, there is obviously the one little bit of complaint that, you know, the book track is a little bit more, is a little underpowered. Certainly there's a mini expansion that kind of helps that out, but it doesn't matter. This game is still an amazing game and, uh, one that will be a mainstay for me for a long, long time. Yeah, this is a great game. I, I still remember the first time we played this. You had already played it, but I asked you to teach it at my birthday game day, and it was a couple of years ago, and ah, it was it was great. And I don't think, Richie, you hadn't played it at that point, had you? Uh, no, I think that was my first play. Mm. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. That was great. And, I, was and great. I didn't uh, mess up and not put certain cubes out on the board to uh, make it a punishing Mombasa game? <laughs> no, <laughs> I know you're referencing me. What you did oh, oh. <laughs> what you did do was when you taught the game, you were like, okay, throw this away. You're never going to do the oh. book. Yes, the books. <laughs> was, I have since learned, as I teach this game now, I do not say that anymore. I teach it as is and tell people, here it is. And by all means, if you want to start the book track, go for it. And in fact, I have found now, when I play this game with people who have not played it, I now find that I will try to do the book track just for something different because I know, okay, I can do this and probably beat these guys the first time playing. I'm going to try this. It, and it is difficult, but sometimes it's kind of fun to do that book track, especially if yeah. you do get some things rolling on it. Right, and I think with Fister's games, and one that is much higher that we'll talk about later, is if you're comfortable with the game, you will start to see strategies that are not apparent to you when you first learn it right absolutely and that's always interesting i think as a designer how much do you design a game that you can suss out because then the danger is what everybody did which is to say oh don't take that strategy because it's broke this game is broken because you know so that that's a danger like it's not an incentive for a designer to design a game where it doesn't reveal itself fully until 
until you know you have 10 plays in which right. is is interesting to me and it's a cautionary thing for us i think to say oh i know that you can't do this strategy sort of thing right absolutely with someone like fister you're just not going to figure everything out in your first three four five six you know or beyond plays i mean it's going to take a while to figure out all those different strategies you can do. I also treat it like like some of the route building stuff in Marco Polo and some of those where it depends on what the beginning setup is sometimes for some of those strategies and how well that's laid out as to whether you can do certain things in the game. All right, number 62, the gallerist. All right, Chad, tell us. I know who that is. <laughs> who did this? <laughs> that's Eagle Griffin Games as the publisher and Vital Acerta as the designer. Uh, who did the artwork? Oh, uh, Ian O'Toole. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. So um, this is Richie and I's number one. Let's yeah. again. Yeah, uh, my favorite. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't know why. I couldn't even really. I, I love the simplicity of how you literally have four different actions that you're choosing from each each turn. Um, well, tru- truly, you're really only choosing from three different actions because you can't do the same action that you're on. But yet the complexity on which and how which you choose that action and how you uh, the, the, how you use your bottom track, whether, you know, you use it to get fame or money or, you know, how you then use those kickout actions. There's just so much going on in this game, yet the coreness of it is so simple. And I think it's really good for like, if I'm going to teach a Lacerda game to a first time person, Lacerda, I think this is still the best game to teach them because you can teach the simplicity of the game so easily, and then they can figure out the strategies from there. And I would say with the theme, I think that, that it works well with the actions that you're taking. And I know, you know, everyone says that like Lisboa is probably is like most like theme rich game. But I mean, in my opinion, I think it's this. I think that what you're doing makes sense. And it actually fits the, me- the the mechanisms in the game. I, I it, it is a great game. I mean, it is probably I think the first Lacerda I played, so it got me hooked, obviously. But it's probably third, I think, in terms of of my favorites for him. I think you're right. It is the simplest one to teach. The only thing that's a little bit sticky is the movement of the the investors and the collectors and the VIPs, just the, some little niggling rules with those. But other than that, it really is fairly easy to teach. So anybody that's interested in the theme and has played a few board games, I think you can teach it to and, and they'll be they'll be entranced. All right, and the last one for this top 10 that we're going through is going to be Patchwork. Patchwork, which is from, I believe, Lookout Games initially, and, of course, Uva Rosenberg. This is probably one of the, and and this may be the only game that I've played more on an app than I have played in real life. Oh, wow, I haven't played the app that much. It's got a great app, but I I don't play it that much. I play it with my, actually, I taught my mom the physical version and then i said hey we can play on this we both have ipads we can play on this app back and forth together you know away from each other and so we do uh once in a while but this this game i mean my wife loves it my mom loves it and not because not because of the theme they don't feel like they're putting together a quilt my mom actually really my mom i remember when i got a nintendo a a regular nintendo and it sat in my room and i would wake up at like one in the morning and she was playing my Nintendo in my room playing Tetris. Nice. And I said, mom, what are you doing? She was like, shh, shh. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, <laughs> but yeah, you certainly, I mean, 
it's a Tetris game is really what it is of how you can put these together. Now there's the aspect of trying to make sure that you're uh, getting the button so that you get the income and, you know, a little bit of strategy because you always, if you're the last person or you're the furthest behind on the track, you get to go until, you know, somebody else is the furthest back. So obviously there's, there's that S or I, I, it's a two player game, just the other person, I should say. Um, when I play it on the app though, I just play versus the computer and it has three modes. It has easy, medium, and hard. I don't think I've ever beat the hard person on that app. So, I mean, it's a well-done app. So, it's not like yeah. I'm just like, oh, I'm just crushing it every time, and it's not even a hard thing to do or whatever. So yeah, solid game. Anytime someone asks me for two-player uh, recommendations, this uh-huh. is always on the list. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic date night game. And again, like I said, it's not it's not a, a game for your significant other or or as somebody I've heard suggest for women because of the quilting theme, that's not it. It's because it's really easy to see what you're supposed to be doing, but there are really interesting decisions and good back and forth between the two players. Okay. So then uh, at the end, we always go through and say how many of the top, how many of these 10 games have we played? And then we say, which one we think is our favorite out of these 10. Uh, Chad, how many of you gotten into these 10? Nine of them. I think I said Battlestar was the only one that I hadn't played. Okay. And what would you call your favorite out of these 10? Richie's right. This is really tough. I think we're all going to have different ones is my guess. But, well, I don't know. Maybe not. I think Richie and I might be the same. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, it's so hard, but I'm going to go with Russian Railroads. I just Wow. I thought for sure yours would be the Gallerist. I, you know, oh, I, wow. I really do like the Gallerist, but Russian Railroads is just, a, like I said, it's sort of a... I don't know. It just feels good to play that game. Like I said, that that's the endorphins and the points. It just feels good to play okay. it. All right. The other, I mean, the Gallus is a great game. Yeah. yeah. All right. Richie, how many have you got of these 10? Uh, nine. So uh, Time Stories is the only one that I haven't played. Okay. Uh, and Mombasa, it's in my top 10. So I think that I got to pick that as my favorite. Yeah. I th- I, that's what I figured you would have. Um, so I've actually gotten in 10 of the 10, uh, a couple of them only one time, but uh, that was enough for me. Uh this is tough. I mean, it is definitely, I mean, I could literally pick anywhere between Russian Railroads, Mombasa, and the Gallerist. But since you went Russian Railroads and you went Mombasa, I'll go with the Gallerist. So, cause I told I, you. <laughs> I absolutely, it is by far my favorite Lacerda game. I, I will never turn down a play of this game. I love it. Um, I'm not, obviously I'm not a huge theme person, but I mean, I feel like I'm running an art gallery when I'm playing this game. So I'm going to take it. I'm going to go with uh, the Gallerist is my number one. So. Sorry to Mombasa. (laughs) (laughs) It's a solid game. (laughs) All right. Well, that's pretty much going to wrap it up for this episode. I just want to remind everybody, if uh, you thought Arkwright sounded like a game that would be interesting to you and you might enjoy, definitely take advantage of going to the Capstone website and going and putting in punch borders in that special code, and you're going to get $20 off that amazing game. So definitely go and check that out. Uh, So that's going to do it. For episode 29, next time on Punchboard Paradise, we're going to be doing something. We'll do a draft. We're going to be doing a draft. Yep. We're definitely doing a draft. It'll be really exciting. It'll be super exciting. I mean, might be the best draft we ever do. Probably. I think so. Most likely. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else? No, I think that's it for tonight. That's it. All right, everybody have a great night. Hey, oh, and Ben Maddox. Oh, yeah, Ben Maddox. <laughs> Good night, ben everybody. Maddox. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.